Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. All right. Oh man, this is an awesome day, beautiful day, also a sad day for other reasons. Um, today is the last Sunday for now where uh, Eddie and Allison are going to be with us. They are moving um, somewhere to paradise. Yes, basically. So God's paradise. God's paradise. So what we want to do is we just want to pray for them and send them off. Eddie and Allison has been, oh, man, you guys have been so amazing to this church from the beginning. I'm sorry, Allie. But uh, oh, we can call on you guys anytime. We can just look at you. Um, yes. <laughs> um, what God has been doing in your guys' life has changed so many people. And it's evident. We're not just saying it. So we are super thankful that God brought you guys here to us. And we know that this is not the end. Like for this relationship, man, this relationship just started and got established and is going to continue forever. But we so appreciate you guys and love you guys so much. And we are super... Uh, uh, it is awesome to see what God has done in you guys. The transformation is amazing. And that's what he is about, working in people. So I'm going to hand over to Mark, and he's going to pray for you guys, and we're going to send you guys off. So you guys are missionaries, right? <laughs> this, is, <laughs> we're, this, is, this feels like a missionary send-off. And, uh, yeah, we are so blessed. So... Lift up your hands, extend them out. We're going to pray for this amazing couple. Father God, we just thank you so much for what you've done in their lives, the blessing that they've been to us, and, and the blessing that we've been to them. And so, Father, we just thank you that, that uh, what the good work that you began, you're going to continue it on. You're going to bring it to completion. You're going to do the above and beyond what even they could think or imagine or plan. So, Father, we thank you so much for for the work that continues, the good things that you're going to do, the blessing that they are going to be to the people around them. Father God, we, we just see them as, as your saints going out, going forth. We thank you so much for the, for the new community that you've already been preparing for them. They've got a, a special place. Um, thank you for the rock that is in, oh man, the, the, the foundation that you provided for this man here and for this woman. And, and Father God, it's not by coincidence. This is your divine design. And we praise you for that. And we thank you, Lord God, that it just keeps getting gooder and gooder in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, thank you. Can you guys believe that Eddie once looked like me? Uh, my dream of looking like Eddie, well, I, that dream is gone. <laughs> Let's just say that, that dream is gone. All right, uh, speaking of gold, um, those, oh man, you guys are awesome. How great was last week's sermon? Yeah, come on, Pastor Andreas delivered a great message um, in our series called The Gift. 
And that was part one where we spoke about gold. And we essentially came to this part where we acknowledge that Jesus is our king. And that's what the gold represented. And so today, um, we're carrying on in that series called The Gift. Uh, next week, we're going to look at myrrh. And that leaves us today with frankincense. Awesome, super exciting frankincense. <laughs> I know. I know. Thanks, Andreas, for giving me frankincense. That's just awesome. Um, oh, what a topic. I mean, can you speak for two hours on frankincense? We'll find out today. Yes. <laughs> and next week, Mr. J is going to preach on myrrh. Oh, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you, man. So great. Yes. No, you know what? Um, I do think that all the uh, essential oil enthusiasts in the house are very excited today because, yes, we're finally in church preaching about frankincense. Yes. No, all you oil people, relax. Relax. Okay. <laughs> frankincense is great, okay? And when you look at frankincense as an essential oil, uh, it's got a lot of benefits to it. There's a lot, of, you know, it's very beneficial for your immune system. It's proven to lessen inflammation, a lot of antibacterial properties to it, lots of great stuff. It's pretty, it's a pretty cool essential oil. It's basically your Swiss army knife of essential oils, if you look at it that way. But um, I had to ask my, uh, my lovely mother in favor if I can borrow one of her frankincense oil bottles because uh, I knew she'd have it. Um, just so I can smell it, because I don't know if I've smelled it before. And it's a very fragrant smell. Frankincense smells pretty good. It's, uh, it's pretty nice. It's very fragrant. And smell is a memory trigger. So, whenever you smell frankincense again, I hope that you're reminded about this awesome message today that the Lord has for us. Now, before we start... Let's start reading in Matthew 2, because this is where the story happens, all right? We're doing the Christmas story. Matthew 2, let's start there. Verse 1, we're going to read it together. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who had been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. What a guy. That is weird, that guy. When we had called together all the people's uh, chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where, are the Messiah, where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, of course, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. And out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Whatever. Come on. <clears throat> After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen went... Uh, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned, <laughs> having been warned uh, in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now, <clears throat> first of all, 
Who gives a toddler frankincense? Come on. I mean, gold, yeah, that's pretty cool. Gold is cool, but frankincense, a toddler, can't play with that. What are you going to do with frankincense? Have they not heard of a sleep sack? Or a ninja turtle, a big African lion stuffy, or, you know, something they can play, he can play with or learn from? No, frankincense. You know, how about diapers? That's pretty useful gift, right? Last night I went to a friend's diaper party um, here in Tawasin, and guess what I took as a gift? Frankincense. Yes. I actually did. It was just this bottle, but I also took diapers because I'm not mean. I'm not that mean to him. <laughs> but the actual question is, what is this frankincense all about? And I think that as believers, we are so familiar with the Christmas story that we sometimes just overlook and overshadow all the details in that story. We kind of overlook it, overshadow it with gifts and parties and presents and all these things. And we don't really look into the details of that Christmas story found in Matthew 2. But we got to keep Christmas about Christ. Amen. And that's the role of like, that's your role. That's our role as the church to make sure that the world knows and keeps Christmas about Christ because it can get lost so easily. You know, what do we call this time of year? The Christmas rush. Everything's super fast all the time. Your Amazon, like, checkout bucket is, like, so full. You just want to click it, but it's not working, and it's frustrating and all that stuff, but it's just such a rush this time of year. So here's a little video that we'll quickly watch uh, just to prove that point, that we overlook things a little bit. Ow! Ow! Babe! Ow! Babe, babe! Just, just come here quick, quick, quick! Okay. I just, oh I just oh need you to trim it. Uh, no, just trim no. it where the right at the top of the finger is. Okay. Are you sure? Right, right there, right no. there. Quick. Let me call. Just let me call somebody. Just let me call somebody. No, no, no don't. No, use both hands because it's very thick. Okay. No, no, no. Down a little bit hurt. further. It's down there. Hurt down so there. Bad. It's gonna hurt. No, no, no. You're gonna need to go down, down right. No, right there. I'm trying. No, no. Right there. I'm trying. Right there. I'm trying. Right there. Tight. Right there. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yes, and that's not a video of Dave and Carla, that's other people on the internet, <clears throat> that's other people. Uh, whether that was staged or not, I don't know, but that's what happens <laughs> when Christmas comes around. Uh, there's another story that I'm intrigued by, and that's a story about the Wright brothers. Anyone know who they are? Yeah, not Jeannie and Gord Wright, but the other Wright brothers. And there's a story that happened in 1903 on December 17th. And it's a story of two young men in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. They did something historic. They flew. They flew a machine-controlled airplane. They were so excited um, at being able to just fly, go up in the air, that they wired back to their sister, Catherine, in Ohio. And it's, it, it was a message that looked like this. It kind of reads a little weird. Megan, you can put that one up. It said, success, four flights this morning, all against 21-mile winds, started 
uh, sorry, typo, four level engine power, only average speed through air 31 miles, longest 57 seconds, inform press home Christmas. And for those of you who didn't understand their slang or the young people language, I guess that's what it kind of looks like. All they said was, sis, we had flown for about 120 feet and guess what? will be home for Christmas. Now she was so excited and upon receiving this telegram from them, she took it to the newspaper office. She told the editor there that her brothers had flown and informed the editor that if he wanted to set up a interview with them, that they'll be home for Christmas. So the editor told her, that's awesome, that's great. I'll be sure to put something in the newspaper about them. And so December 19th, local newspaper, on page six, <laughs> there was a heading that said, Wright Brothers Home for Christmas. I'm like, come on, man. The editor totally missed the biggest story of the year and probably the decade. I don't know why, I don't know who this guy was, but he totally missed it. The Wright Brothers would be home for Christmas. Every year that happens around Christmas time. The news about a savior being born is just cluttered and we overshadow it, we overlook it with wrapping parties, gifts, and all these kind of stuff. I think a lot of times we also overlook the details in the story. So this is why I'm here today to talk about those details because they're not that boring, they're pretty cool, okay? So last week, we looked at a little bit, we looked at gold, what it meant, and then Andreas went into what these wise men were as well, a little bit. But once again, uh, when we read the story, we see that they are called wise men, or magi, in the translation that we read. And they appeared, not on the birth of Jesus, but after the birth of Jesus, right? And they came to the house when they saw him. Jesus wasn't in a manger anymore when, huh, <clears throat> Jesus wasn't in a manger anymore when the wise men came. Yeah, amen, <laughs> amen. And verse one tells us that. Some scholars think that uh, they actually showed up just around close to two years after Jesus was born. And for me, that's almost like the age of my boy, Leo. And so it's kind of, I've been trying to imagine this week, like Jesus as a little toddler screaming at his parents, <laughs> not eating what he's supposed to eat. And it's just, I don't know, I can't, I just can't fathom it. So today we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at the men who presented the gift. We're going to look at the gift itself. And we're also going to look at the ministry of the one who received this gift. Are you guys ready? Yes, I won't be longer than four hours. I only got three points. Number one, we're going to look at the wise men. Uh, let's call them for now the gift givers. Number one, the gift givers. Everyone say gift givers. Gift givers. Now, there's a couple of things that we have to look, uh, have to look at before we go on. We see that uh, Matthew left out any explanation about these magi. We don't know who they were. We don't know how many there were. We don't know what their names was, what they wore, did they have sandals, did they not, did they have a mohawk, what kind, you know, we don't know anything about these men. All he said that there were three wise men came from the east, at least we know they're from the east, you know, and they brought gifts with them. And uh, 
Matthew wanted us to know what kind of gifts they brought as well. So at least he brought attention to the wise men bringing gifts, and these gifts were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay. <clears throat> there we go. So there's not a lot of details in that story itself. So we got to go back in history and just look it up a little bit, dig a little deeper because we all love to do that, and just find out a little bit more about these wise men. Now, one thing that we do have to understand that these gifts that the wise men brought, they were precious at the time, they were highly valuable, but they were also emblematic and prophetic of a role that this kid would fulfill. And that's just awesome. That is just awesome. Now, let's look at the men who gave the gifts. You'll notice again in verse 1 that they're called the wise men. All right. Now, in Greek, wise men, it comes from the word magos. And that's where magi comes from. But in English, we just have wise men because that's the role that they fulfilled back in the day. They were wise men. They probably had lots of gray hair and gray beards. Who knows? But apparently, when you're gray, you're wise. So I'm a little wise here, <clears throat> just a tiny bit. It's coming in. Look out. It's coming in. The Magi were a tribe of people. They were the priestly caste of the Medes, and they came from the ancient Medo-Persian Empire. But get this, the Magi were a small group within a larger group, the larger group being the Medes, and the Magi being the priestly tribe of the Medes. It's very similar to the way of the nation of Israel and how they were set up with the 12 tribes and one tribe being set apart, um, that was set apart to be the priestly tribe, and that was the tribe of Levi. They represented the whole nation to God as a, as a priestly tribe. The Medes had a very similar setup. There were many, many tribes within the Median kingdom, but they selected one tribe to perform all the rituals and the ceremonies and the um, spiritual priestly functions of worship. And that is exactly the same as what the, um, the Leviticus way of worship was in the Old Testament. So the Magi were very important. This tribe was very important um, in the Babylonian Empire, in the Medo-Persian Empire, in the Greek Empire, and also in the present Empire of Rome. Kings sought them out to get advice from them. They were much like the Levites, as I said. They influenced the kings of the time. All right. These magi were also monotheistic, meaning that they served one god. And uh, they had an offering that they would do. They had an altar that they would burn. Uh, with fire, and this fire would burn perpetually and eternally, and they believed that this fire was lit by God himself. They also had another altar where they sacrificed animals, um, and so we can see all the similarities um, between them and the Levitical form of worship in the Old Testament. Now, I know this is super exciting stuff, but just stay with me. We are going to arrive somewhere. The reason that they are called wise men is because they were sought out and consulted by um, all the kings, and the kings would have them in their court asking, what should I do with my armies? Which countries should I attack? Um, what did my dream mean? Uh, what is happening on the next Grey's Anatomy show? Or what should I have for dinner? Maybe not those last two. But that's the kind of stuff that they would ask these magis. The kings would consult these guys. They were quite something. It's quite fascinating to know as well that no Persian could become king unless you met two conditions. Number one, you had to master all the spiritual disciplines of the Magi. And number two, you had to be crowned and ordained by 
the Magi themselves. So, how's that for power? These guys were literally kingmakers of the ancient days. I think that's a pretty cool thing to have on your resume or on your TikTok uh, uh, bio. Yes, thank you for that word, because I totally have TikTok <clears throat> and know what I'm talking about. These magi were so influential, they even had a phrase um, that they used in the Old Testament to describe things. And this phrase was the law of the Medes and the Persians. So basically, in short, they had their own hashtag, hashtag Medes and Peas. And so you can see that in the Old Testament, in the book of Esther and Daniel, they talk about this. These guys were very highly influential. So to sum it up, we got a priestly tribe that was influential during many kingdoms over hundreds and hundreds of years. They became um, of extreme prominence during the Babylonian era under Nebuchadnezzar, influenced by this prophet Daniel who brought in the Jewish scriptures and then made predictions of the coming Messiah. All right, that's a little backstory of who these wise men were, the gift givers. Can you say, amen, I understand. Do you really? Kind of. If you need a recap, we have it on video, and you can always watch it on YouTube, on our website, shameless plug. But follow us and stay up to date and go back on the messages so you can know always what we're talking about. All right, that's number one, the gift givers. Those were the men, the wise men. Number two, the gift of frankincense. Now we're going to look at the gift. It says that when they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. Gold frankincense and myrrh frankincense what is frankincense is it like frankenstein's brother or what is frankincense it didn't say incense it said frankincense so what does it mean you might ask and i'm glad you did because i'm here to tell you frankincense it was a resin very from a very a particular tree back in the day. You still get it today, but we're talking about this specific frankincense. Um, it was a very pure kind of resin that could be made into incense, incense that was highly prized and highly sought after. It was very, very expensive back then. Frankincense was a resin or a sap from a tree in the Arabian Peninsula, and the scientific name for the tree was? Uh, no, Boswellia terrarifa. Thank you, Evan. Very kind of you. All right, Boswellia terrarifa. Everyone say that. Yeah, very good, very good. There's, there's a lot of different trees in that family as well. There's Boswellia serrata, which uh, this one, this one comes from Boswellia socra. So there's a ton, but this one came from Boswellia terrarifa, what they had. And I know you always wanted to know that, so you're welcome. Thank you. Thank me afterwards, after the service, you know. But this tree was native to Saudi Arabia, Somalia, Oman, and Yemen. So it only came to Israel by caravan. So basically, these wise men gave Jesus an imported product, just like many of us are going to do this here. So uh, frankincense was harvested by making an incision into the tree during the winter months of the year. And when you do that, there would be a white, yellowy, amber kind of sap would just ooze out of the tree. You would collect it, you would let it dry, um, it would harden, it would crystallize, and then you can grind it up into powder. And when you grind it up into powder, you can burn it, and that's how they used it as incense. And when you burn it, it is super fragrant. 
Today we can just kind of get a little whiff of it when you throw this in one of those diffusers. But I can just imagine what it's like burning like actual fresh ground up frankincense. It must smell so good. It kind of gave off this woodsy kind of balsamy with just a hint of oil fragrance. Now I know this is not a wine tasting club, but <laughs> that's apparently how they talk. This stuff was highly, highly sought after, very expensive. That is frankincense. That is what they brought the baby. So maybe you are still asking in your head, why did they bring frankincense to a toddler? What is he going to do with it? It's important for us who read scripture to know what frankincense means because it comes up about 17 times in the Bible. And almost every time that it comes up in the Bible, it's regarding the priesthood. It's regarding priest. It's always got to do something about priesthood. So frankincense was a substance used for priests, and it also was a substance used by priests. It was used for them when they were anointed, when they were inaugurated and ordained into priesthood. They would take oil mixed with frankincense and this wonderf wonderful smelling mixture they would uh, put on their heads, they would anoint them, and that would mark them for service. But then also it was used by priests in a other different particular kind of way called the meal offering. So they use this in a lot of different ways. And this other way is called the meal offering. And that's found in the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus. And now I know all of you probably woke up very early this morning to read Leviticus, right? Because that's how devoted you are. But uh, for those of us who didn't <clears throat> this morning yet, we're going to read it together. Actually, I didn't read it this morning, but maybe you didn't. But let's read this together. Leviticus chapter 2. Um, and it says this about the meal offering. It says, when anyone brings a grain offering to the Lord, their offering is to be of the finest flour. They are to pour all olive oil on it, put incense on it, there we go, and take it to Aaron's sons, the priests. The priest shall take a handful of, of the flour and oil together with all the incense and burn this as a memorial, a portion on the altar, a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Hmm. A sweet aroma pleasing to the Lord. I can just imagine it's God probably going, hmm, that's good. You know, can you do that? Can everyone say, hmm, that's good. You got to have the rasp in your voice, so do it again. Hmm, that's good. Yes, <laughs> that's probably also what that song is about. Um, what's it? May it be a sweet, sweet sm sound. Sound, it's sound, not smell. Okay, that one's out the window. You know, <laughs> so when they made these offerings and brought the thanksgiving, God probably went, mm, that smells so good. Not only does this stuff smell good to humans, to people, but God loves smelling this because the priests back in the day made these offerings and sacrifices out of obedience and thanksgiving. And so next time you give towards the Lord, next time you make an offering towards the Lord, the Lord, just the, the word, just imagine that he's going up in heaven going, hmm, that's good. But only if you did it out of obedience and in thanksgiving. Then the Lord goes, hmm, that smells good. You see, Paul wrote about this as well uh, to the Philippian church when they uh, 
concerning his financial giving support to his ministry. Paul said that it's a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to the Lord. It's also what David referred to in Psalm 141 when he said, Let my prayers be set before you and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. We have to realize that all throughout the Bible, there's all these connections. And you got to understand this stuff so that next time you read things where there's offerings and sacrifice, you can have this image and you can have this maybe, maybe you have the smell in your mind. And you can just imagine how God goes in heaven. That's good. And you can see all the, um, the similar similarities in the Bible of how this stuff was being used. So frankincense is important. It's important for us to know what it is. It was a substance used by priests and given to those who would become priests. So I actually do think that the wise men knew what they were doing. I don't think they were that crazy. You know, I think they really did know what they were doing. All right, so that's frankincense. Do we understand what frankincense is? Yeah, can you smell it in the air? Maybe not. Maybe I'll open this bottle. I should have put it in our haze machine this morning. Yeah, oh, missed that opportunity. I should have done that. Um, all right, number one was gift givers. Number two, gift of frankincense. Now, number three. You see, four hours goes quickly, people. It's super exciting. Number three, the kid who got the gift. Ah, Jesus. Young little Jesus, who got the gift, was given the gift of frankincense. Now, can you imagine Mary and Joseph just going, what the frankincense? Like, I can't imagine. Hey, hey, frankincense. Um, <laughs> they were probably scratching their heads going, what is this? Y'all are wise men? Bringing gold, I mean gold. Yeah, we can make a chain out of that. Come on, baby. Mary, you get your stuff. We're going to make a gold chain for this boy. But then frankincense, myrrh, what is that? I don't know. I don't know. I love to make these little plays in my head because it makes the Bible, like, very cool for me as well. That's just the way I think, okay? I'm visual. I need those little narratives in my mind. We have to understand that these gifts that the wise men brought, frankincense, it was very emblematic, like I've said before. It was prophetic of a role that this child would fulfill. You see, Jesus, we read in the Bible, is our high priest in the book of Hebrews. And this is what the frankincense was all about. It was about this little kid becoming high priest. Now, it's different than the other priests in the Old Testament, you know. But Jesus being our high priest. Let's read about that quickly. Um, it's in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. 
the writer of this book goes to great lengths to say <clears throat> later on how much greater the priesthood of Jesus is than the Old Testament priesthood of Aaron. It's quoted in the Psalms. It's quoted all over just how good the priesthood of Jesus is. Now, there's something that Jesus did after he died, after he rose, after he ascended into heaven. It says that as great as our great high priest, he ascended into heaven. And then did something that a lot of us probably have read over in the past. But it says that Jesus sat down at the right hand of God. Do you remember that scripture? It says that Jesus ascended into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God. Hebrews 1 verse 3. Why is that important for us to know? It's important because priests in the Old Testament, they're not the kind of people who would sit down. You know, priests, they would be active all the time. They would have to do their offerings and sacrifices, represent the people to God all the time, year after year. It was never over. Priests would come and go. But this is why it's important not to just read over that part where it says that Jesus sat down at the right hand of God. Do you know what that means to sit down? It means I'm done. It is finished. Does those words sound familiar? Yeah, it should. Out of all the pieces of furniture that was in the tabernacle, there was one missing, a chair. <laughs> the priests of the Old Testament, they were temporary. They were never done. But this frankincense being brought to this kid is the symbol of Jesus becoming high priest. And it's only Jesus that can do this. Only God himself that can do this. Because Jesus made the sacrifice. He was the sacrifice once and for all. So guess what he did? Chose to sat down. He's done. He's done as sacrificer. But he's not done quite yet. Because a priest, I said earlier, what do they do? They represent people to God. That's their job. They bring sacrifices. They do all the stuff. They burn the animals. It's very weird. But they would represent the people to God. So Jesus sitting down, he's done as sacrificer, but he continues on as your priest in your life because he continues on to represent you to God right there at the right hand of God. This is awesome. This is great news. Jesus sitting down saying, I'm the Savior. I have finished the work of the cross. It is finished, but I'll continue as intercessor. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. And that's the exact role of a priest. He makes intercession for you. He prays for you. He prays on your behalf. Have you ever had anyone tell you, hey man, or hey dudette, I'm praying for you. Anyone, anyone ever had that saying, I'm praying for you? And you go, thank you. That's so awesome. Now just let this just sit in your heart and in your mind, knowing that Jesus is also there praying all the time without you even asking. If you know, if you, if you have opened up your heart to Jesus and let him in, 
he becomes your high priest forever and ever and he's there all the time representing you to God I'll tell you now none of us really want to just go to God by ourselves but we got to go through Jesus now <clears throat> you're still with me yeah I think that's great three points just like that boom boom bang bang Bob's your uncle just like that <clears throat> we got the gift givers we got the frankincense we got the one the kid who got the gift Jesus our ever high priest and don't look at him as a baby priest like this that'll be adorable though but just remember Jesus grew up ascended into heaven sitting at the right hand of God acts as our great high priest so go and read the book of Hebrews find out more about that look into the priesthood of Jesus now as a boy growing up in South Africa You know, um, I've had a lot of brothers. I'm the youngest of seven kids. And I had my fair share of playing outside, you know, climbing on things, jumping off of things, doing lots of sports, doing all the stuff that boys would do. You know, uh, one other thing that we would do is we would play with insects a lot because it's Africa. You don't wear shoes and you play outside. And what do you do when you play outside? What do you get? Insects, yes. They're everywhere, all right? So where I lived, I lived in Pretoria. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in the city, a lot of insects that you get as well. But one of the things that we would do is uh, there's, there's these big like uh, carpenter ant kind of stuff. Um, we call them reismira. Everyone say reismira. Gotta roll your R's, reismira. All right, now they're massive, they're, they're big, okay? And they come in packs or I, what do you call a pack of a swarm that's the word I couldn't get it the whole week Wow, <clears throat> English first second language and uh, so we would try and catch well not try because th there would be like so many you just take a bucket or a net and you'd catch a ton so we'd catch them and you would take this race mean and you'd rip off his wings <laughs> and you'd put them in this little like uh, uh, Obstacle course that we built with Legos, okay? <laughs> Don't judge me yet. <laughs> and then you just put them in there, and you know, it's just Legos, so they gotta climb up stuff underneath and whatever. Uh, did they always do it? No, so you yell at them, try and get them going. But uh, it was pretty cool to just play with these insects. So we'd rip off their wings, and we'd see which one wins, and so we'd have that. Another thing that we would do is uh, we would catch flies like we yes you'd catch flies because there are some pretty big flies in South Africa we call them bromers have you ever heard of a bromer yeah say it bromer okay reismira and bromer <laughs> yeah what's up with these r's in this language I don't know but we would catch these bromers and what you do is you'd swat them just hard enough to knock them unconscious okay then you'd pick them up place them in a shallow bowl of water, place it in a very cold freezer, and you'd freeze it, don't, oh, don't judge me yet, uh, <laughs> and you'd place it in the freezer, and they would freeze, and once it's frozen, you'd take the block of ice, you'd put it out in the sun, and you'd sit and watch it thaw, and see if the fly flies away. Did it fly away? No, I'm sorry. This is me repenting before the Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. 
that's what that's the kind of fun stuff that we did as kids. Um, you know, we also had like big beetle bug kind of stuff. We call them tok tokies. Anyone heard of tok tokies? Yeah, say tok toki. All right. So what you do is you tie a rope to his little leg. You can hold him, and he flies in circles. No need to hold the balloon, man. You can just watch the beetle fly. All right. It's not that bad. Another thing that we did is. <laughs> I need a toys. I need a toys. I don't have one toy. A magnifying glass. Anyone had one of those? Yeah. In the African sun and a magnifying glass, you can do wonders that cavemen couldn't do. Okay. So you can take a magnifying glass. You can sneak up to the back of your friend and, you know, hone in that little spot right on his neck. Just burn them a little bit. <clears throat> those things were pretty fun. Uh, by the way, I'm just saying this. I'm the youngest brother, so I was on the receiving end of all of this. Um, another thing that you would do is you can, gather, uh, you can gather leaves and little sticks and things, and you can take the magnifying glass and try to make fire. Anyone loves making fire? I actually do love it. I did a lot as a kid. I don't think my parents knew, and they're probably watching online. Hey, sorry, love you. Um, but I loved making fires, and so you take a magnifying glass, and you can light like a bowl of leaves and stuff on fire. But you know what else is on the ground next to leaves in South Africa? Ants, ants, those little midget black ants. What are they about? There's so many of them all the time. Do you know how easy it is to get them in the line of fire? I'm sorry, ants, <laughs> but you would take a magnifying glass and you'd send the ant to heaven. Okay, now I do feel lots of judgment in this room right now. Do not judge me, okay? Because you probably have done the same thing, but it's called raid, ant killer. You just spray them, that's worse. It's not as fun, but still, we all kill the insects, right? But that was fun back in the day. Now. <clears throat> I'm, I'm telling you those stories so you can get to know me better, okay? But let's say I invite you over to my house. And uh, you being this lover of all God's creatures kind of person, <laughs> I invite you over. We get into my kitchen. I live in Canada now, right? So not that many insects. And we look down on the ground and we see a trail of black ants. And you see me reaching for the raid bottle, because I don't have a magnifying glass anymore, obviously, come on, raid, and you see me reaching for this bottle, and you know the person that I am, because you've heard these stories, you go, and you go, and you yell at those ants, hey, get away, this man has a can, and he has a plan, man, you gotta go, would, would those ants move if you just yell at them, no, they wouldn't do a thing. But let's say you could shrink yourself down, become one of those. That should be a movie, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Let's say you can shrink yourself down, become a little ant. Then you can talk to them in their little ant language, whatever that might be. And you can save them from this big bad man with a can. You would become the ant savior and the perfect mediator between me and them, right? This is the story, silly story. This is the story of Jesus as our priest. You see, God became man, came into this earth, started speaking to us, did all the stuff that we read about in the Bible now. 
taking up all our sins on the cross. On our behalf, Jesus took it all. Sitting now back there with the Father at his right hand in heaven, interceding for you and I. Jesus is our mediator. He's your priest. That's his job. That's, that's part of the role that God had for him. And it's still going on today. And I'll finish with this story. And I think it'd be great if uh, the worship team, we can do one more song at the end. There's a song called It Is Finished that we're going to sing. And so as I close with this story, there was a, there's a true story, by the way. Um, 1936. Love the stories that happened back in the day. I feel like we don't have as good stories anymore today, but maybe that's just me. 1936, when technology was at its highest and radio waves ruled the world, an historic radio broadcast from England to America was about to be staged. It was King Edward VIII. He was going to speak to the people of America via radio using this, the radio station in New York City, the WJZ. Anyone heard of the story? Everything was set. The king was about to approach the microphone. Now, right before this event, one of the workers broke a cable by accident. And this cable was the main cable that would transmit the audio between England and America. So just moments before the king started to speak, um, the producers, the executives, they didn't know what to do. There was a bright, bright, quick-thinking man who was there at the station. He grabbed what the, the one end of the wire that broke with his one hand, then he grabbed the other so that he can complete the circuit. And the king stepped up, he did his speech, and he spoke to the people of America, not even knowing that his words reached the people through the body of another person. That's what Jesus did, reaching his arms out, became mediator between God and man. God himself became mediator between himself and man. But he had to do it through the form of Jesus. This little baby, the kid, receiving gold chains and frankincense and myrrh. Not chains, just gold. That little kid who would stretch out his arms one day so he can stand in the gap for you and I today. So that we can be able to have relationship with God. So, this morning... As we end, and you understand now a little bit more uh, about the wise men and the gifts they brought, and a little bit more about the priesthood of Jesus, that it's still ongoing, that He's interceding for you, and he done, He's done the sacrifice. That's done. I hope that you have an image of Jesus sitting down, saying, guys, it's finished. It's done. So maybe this morning you haven't opened up your heart to Jesus yet. Maybe you haven't received the message of this kid who received the gifts. Maybe you want to do it this morning. Let's all close our eyes. And, um, it's just easier that way sometimes. So maybe you're here this morning 
and you want to say, Jesus, I want to know more about you. I want to know who you are because I've heard that you've given it all up for me. Dying on the cross, taking all of the sins that I would ever have in my life away from me so that I can stand before God one day. Maybe that's you this morning. I want to say, Jesus, I want to give you my life. If that's you, just raise up your hand a little bit and we do that so that you can make some sort of physical movement as an act of offering towards God. And if that's you, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, we're going to pray this prayer. And I want to ask everyone to pray with us, please. Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my savior. I believe in the works of the cross. And I believe that those works are finished. And I believe that you had died for all my sins forever and ever. Lord, I want to make you my king forever. Amen. Now, maybe this morning you want to know more about Jesus. And I just want to encourage you, lean into the series. We actually have two more parts of the series left. One next week and then on Christmas Day, Andrea is going to do the final one on our online service. But go back, listen to the gold, listen to this frankincense one, listen to the myrrh one. Let's experience and figure out what this meant together as a church so we can know more about him. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.